Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, if you turn with me to the Song of Solomon, chapter 3, Song of Solomon, chapter 3. In chapter 2, the beloved, the, the Shulamite woman, we see her not heeding the call of God. The Shulamite's lover, for us, is symbol, symbolizes Jesus Christ. Jesus overcame obstacles to meet this Shulamite woman, just like he overcomes obstacles to meet us. What would be some of those obstacles? Well, we sang about it just now. You know, he left heaven's throne. He became a baby in the womb of a human woman. He was born. He grew. You know, he went through, he was tempted in all ways that you and I are tempted, except he didn't give in to those temptations. He did not sin. He went to the cross to die for us. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sent his Holy Spirit to live in believers. So he overcame obstacles to be with us, just like we're seeing in the story of the Song of Solomon. In chapter 2, the beloved was asked to join her love, but she didn't respond. She just stayed in bed. She chose not to go with him. We saw how foxes were there, and they uh, snuck in and clouded her intentions, and it messed up her relationship with her love. Just like sins creep into our lives and affect our relationship with Jesus. She tells her lover to go and separate her for, from her for a time. Just like you and I, we do go and do our own thing and we forget about our first love. Thinking our relationship will always remain the same, but it doesn't. Her lover withdraws his presence for a time to awaken love within her. And this is where we're going to pick up tonight in chapter 3. Remember, the Shulamite girl represents you and me. And we're going to enter in the first verse. She's having a tough night. She's having a rough night. So let's jump in to verse 1. By night on my bed, I sought the one I love. I sought him but I did not find him. Now, I don't know about you. I know there's times that I'll wake up or I have a hard time falling asleep, or if I do fall asleep, I wake up and I look at my uh, uh, iPhone and it's like only 1 o'clock or 1.30 in the morning. It seems like I've been in bed for such a long time. 
And I said, holy mackerel, I still have like six more hours of sleep or whatever it is before I get up. Well, here we see the Shulamite woman. She's on her bed, and she's now seeking the one that she loves but couldn't find him. Now, just in chapter 2, her lover came to her and asked her to go with him, but she refused. There was a separation that took place. Now, maybe you're here tonight, and there's a separation. You don't feel God's presence. You love the Lord. You believe in him. You put your faith in him. But maybe there's a, there's a distance. Maybe something's going on that's clouding, you know. It's, it's hard to feel God's presence. Or maybe you don't feel that God loves you like he used to. And I think we see here that this Shulamite woman, who again, I want to emphasize, represents you and me. She's on her bed. She's seeking the one that she loves. So she has a focus on her lover. You know, we come here tonight. We focus on Jesus, don't we? We're trying to find out more, draw closer to him as a body of believers, as the bride of Christ, trying to get into his word, trying to find out more. And whether you've been a Christian a day or a hundred years, God is always more than we could ever imagine, isn't he? There's so much more God wants to reveal to us. doesn't matter how long we've been a Christian. As we continue to fall in love with him over and over and over again, he reveals himself to us, and he does that through his word. He does that through each other as we interact with each other, as we do things together as we pray, as we talk to him. He does it through adversity. He does it through good times and bad times, through sickness and in health. And yes, he even does it in the birth of a baby or a death of a loved one. He's always communicating to us. And we have that great news that there's an eternal reward awaiting each of us. There's eternal life. because of what Jesus did on the cross for you and I. In chapter 2, the Shulamite woman, it was a disobedience. She didn't heed the call of her king, of her lover. She didn't heed the call. It was a disobedience. And I think we know, all of us, there's a cost for disobedience. But there's also a cost for obedience, Besides the reward, the joy, the peace of obeying God, there's also a cost, isn't there? It might be leaving something that you were doing that wasn't honoring God. It might be putting in your, yourself in a place that you've never been before, out of your comfort zone. It was nice for the woman in chapter 2 just staying in bed. She was chilling out. She was in her comfort zone. But God calls us not always to be comfortable because it's in that non-comfort that we grow in our dependence and in our love for him. 
if you don't feel lately or God's presence or you're not experiencing God and you feel there's a vacancy there, don't dismiss it. Don't let it go. Don't look past it. Come under his love. Maybe he's putting you through a period right now of discipline. Maybe he's putting you through a period of developing trust. Maybe he's just testing your heart to see where you are and what you're doing in drawing closer to him. Try to learn the lesson he's trying to teach you through this time of maybe dryness in your life. And if that isn't you, boy, everything's great with you and the Lord. You feel his presence. You're pumped. Well, just rejoice in that. Just love the moment you're in. Don't let go of that. In Psalm 63, it says, Because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. And we see the mouth giving praise. You were just doing that for about 10, 15 minutes as we were praising God together. You were praising him from your mouth, which is connected, isn't it, to your heart. It was your heart song that was coming out of your mouth in love to your Savior. Verse 4 of Psalm 63 says, Thus I will bless you while I live. Your life. Your life is praise, is worship to the Lord. What you do for him, what you get to do for him as a result of being a new creature in Christ. I will lift up my hands in your name. Your hands. Praising. Think of um, a little baby, you know, just reaching out of the, the crib or the stroller, just wanting to be picked up, just... Pick me up, Lord. Just wrap your arms around me. So your hands. Verse 5 of Psalm 63. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. That marrow is, is a symbol of the best, most excellent, richest choice parts. Are you satisfied with who God is? Are you satisfied with his word? Or do you need signs and wonders? Do you need smoke shows? Or is God and his word and just fellowship with like believers enough? Remember, our flesh always wants to get in, doesn't it? And have that emotional charge. But who we are really comes out when there's adversity in our life. Isn't that true? We really know what's in our heart through the adverse situations that we go through. Anybody can be happy and smiling and slapping five when things are going well. But it's through adversity you find out where your heart is. The fatness that's talked about in verse 5 of Psalm 63 is the abundance. You know, God wants to give us an abundance. We have grace and mercy available to us 24-7, 365. It's always there. 
He promises to give us an abundant life. Are you living in that abundant life? We're talking with the youth on uh, Sunday. Are you a wilderness Christian or a promised land Christian? Where are you living? Are you living in the promises of God or are you like the wilderness Christian? You're just wandering around. There's no direction. It's dry. It's hot. You seem to be going around in circles. Or have you entered into God's promises? You, you believe what he says in his word. You hold on to his word. You hide it in your heart. Verse 6 of Psalm 63, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. And here we see the Shulamite girl. She's in bed. And she's, she's desiring, you know, she's seeking now. She wants to seek the one she loves that in chapter 2 she let go. She just let him go. But now that desire is there to reunite. Maybe that's your desire. And if you already have that desire and it's part of who you are in Christ, maybe you want a deeper walk in relationship with the Lord. That's what he desires for each of us. For each of us, he wants that. Now, these night watches, you know, we're thinking about, you know, uh, different times that you either fall asleep or wake up. The night watches comes from military watches where soldiers stand and keep watch for enemies or anything out of the ordinary. In the Old Testament, Israel night watches, there were three of them. There were watches from sunset to 10 p.m. From the middle watch was 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And the morning watch was 2 a.m. to sunrise. And then the Romans, we see it in the New Testament, had four watches. Evening was sunset to 9 p.m. The midnight watch was 9 p.m. to midnight. Cock crowing watch was midnight to 3 a.m. And the morning watch was 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. Military. The military watch. I'm looking right now at women and men soldiers in the army of God. We've heard that before. We're in the army of God. Yeah, we're king's kids, we're daughters and sons of the king, but we're in a battlefield. This world is a battlefield. Our minds are a battlefield. Our hearts are a battlefield. Our emotions are a battlefield. We all know Ephesians 6 or have heard of Ephesians 6 with the armor of God. But again, remember, we're talking about the watches during the night. Do you go to bed with your armor of God PJs? We should. We should be in our PJs that are the armor of God. As you look up on the screen to the armor, you know, 
that helmet protects your mind and your ears and your eyes. The breastplate protects what goes into your heart. We're told by God to his word, to hide his word in our heart. I want to go, I want to come back to this slide. We talked about this a month ago. This uh, fellow who climbed El Capitan, the mountain range. And somebody, a friend of mine asked me, well, you know, when he was going up the mountain, how could he pull out the book and stuff like that? And look, you have to understand that over a period of 50 climbs, and I believe it was over a 10-year period, he climbed this mountain all roped up. He did it 50 times over a 10-year period before he did it without any ropes. And it took him just under four hours to do it. But he knew, he marked every place his hand was going to go, where his feet were going to go, where his toe was going to go. He knew that mountain probably better than the back of his hand because his life depended on it. Do we hold on to God's word? Do we know his word so much that we hide in our heart that everything we do because of our repetition of just hearing God's word and meditating on it is part of who we are? There's not a step or a reach that we take without knowing the cost and what God has prepared for us. You're not doing it flying by the seat of your pants. You have a spiritual heart grounded in God's word. The belt, God's truth, holds everything, all the other equipment in place. The all parts of the armor are connected. Jesus is our truth. He holds everything together. When you're in doubt or in question about an answer to a problem, it's easy. It's Jesus. No multiple choice. It's Jesus. That's it. He made it very simple for you and me. The sword God's word is your offensive weapon. Use it as Jesus did. We see him in the temptation in the desert using the word of God to dispel the enemy. Some of today's laws that we face are out of the pit of hell. They're out of the pit of hell. Use your sword to defend what you believe. Have conversation with God's word, which is not fake news. It's the truth. It's the truth. The shield of faith, faith in Jesus who defends you. Jesus is our shield. The shoes dug in for the fight. We're in a battle. Those shoes have spikes in them. Jesus, we hold our ground on the rock. Or we're ready to go. We're ready to go where God sends us to bring peace. The gospel. Good news of salvation in Christ.
Finishing up that one psalm, because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Notice who's leading. My soul follows close behind you. How many times are we outrunning Jesus? And then we turn to him when we hit a dead end. Let him lead. Let him lead. He leads as you talk to him in prayer, as you read his word, as you counsel with spiritually like-minded people. Your right hand upholds me. Remember, Jesus is at the Father's right hand. Jesus is holding us up. He's holding us together. Verse 2, back into Song of Solomon, verse 2. I will rise now, I said, and go about the city, in the streets, and in the squares. I will seek the one I love. I sought him, but I did not find him. At the beginning of that verse, too, I will rise now, I said. See, it's her time frame. Before it was God's time frame in chapter 2. But that will, that desire to rise is also put there by the Lord. He gives us chances. He doesn't say, okay, you didn't want to go with me last week? You're out of here. Let me go to somebody else. He always wants you. He always wants you. He doesn't turn his back on you. Not our will, but his be done. Lord, I blew it last week. Lord, I want to be right on step with you today. Lord, I thank you for the breath of life this morning. I don't know what you got in store for me today, but I'm ready. Just guide me by your Holy Spirit. You've already given your allegiance to him for the day. You're checking in with God. You're with him. You're ready to go. Maybe you didn't feel that way yesterday, but today is his new day. His mercy is new every morning. And you know when morning starts? One second after midnight. It begins. A new day begins. We can't look back. Let's keep looking forward. I will seek the one I love, verse 2 says. And we know you find God right in his word. Just you and him, one-on-one, getting into his word. I sought him, but I did not find him. Verse 3, the watchmen who go about the city found me. And I said, have you seen the one I love? The watchmen. Guards, protectors, helpers. Jesus sent you and me his Holy Spirit, who's the helper, who's the comforter. But the Holy Spirit lives in other believers. He sends other people. His angels are ministering spirits. We have a whole group of people along with the angels who God is ministering to us. He doesn't leave us hanging. We're never alone. He's always right there to be with us. 
the Holy Spirit, one of his main functions is to point us to Jesus. And notice here in verse 3, the watchmen who go about the city found me. And I said, have you seen the one I love? Verse 4, scarcely had I passed by them when I found the one I love. The watchmen were asked the question, have you seen the one I love? Right after that, there was Jesus. Oh, dear Holy Spirit, just draw me closer to Jesus now. He's right there. He's right there. He's faithful and true. When you and I walk in step with the Holy Spirit, following his lead, which he leads by his word, that is our light. That is our compass. That is our map. If we're wilderness Christians, we don't have a light, a compass, or a map. The Holy Spirit guides us, directs us, helps us. Connect with the living spirit that's within you through his word, through talking to God. It's that simple. God does not make it difficult. Verse 4 again, scarcely had I passed them by when I found the one I love. Proverbs 8, 17 says, I love those who love me. And those who seek me, find me. You love the Lord. You're seeking him. Guess what? You'll find him. And if you have him right now and you're aware of his presence, don't let him go. Hold on to him tight. Don't go and hold on to something else instead of our God. Don't change your focus. Don't let the world interrupt the love affair that you have with your God. Don't let any idol come in the way to disrupt you, to, to mess up your heart. Continuing in verse 4, I held him and would not let him go. Do you know consistency is lacking in the body of Christ today? Consistency is lacking in the body of Christ. When do most people turn to the Lord? Usually through adversity, right? Trials and tribulations. May that never be said of you or me. Let us always be consistent in our walk, in the good times or the bad. God never changes. It's us who change. Let's just keep clinging to him. Let's remember that time that we desperately cried out for the Lord and have that heart, have that focus through the good times as well as the bad. So many times people, when things are going good, they forsake them until the next bad thing happens. Don't let that be you. And I pray that it never be me. And it used to be me. I was a roller coaster Christian going through the wilderness and then to the promised land and back to the wilderness. You know, it was crazy. But God was faithful through it all. Finish in verse 4 of Song of Solomon's until I had brought him to the house of my mother and into the chamber of her who conceived me. 
Look it up. One of the, uh, another word for chamber was temple. Remember, she first met her love in, the, in his chamber back in chapter 1. Return to where you first found your first love. Remember that day you first received Jesus into your heart. Think about that day. Who did God put around you? What took place? What was it that triggered that step of faith on your part? Remember that. That's a great day of remembrance. That there was, that happened. That took place. And where he's brought you since that day. And look at his hand and and his faithfulness, no matter what you've been through. He's been faithful. I think I can say fairly, we haven't been faithful in our walk with the Lord, but he's been faithful. He'll never leave or forsake us. Verse 5, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, do, do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. We said before that the daughters of Jerusalem were the watchers. They were like the immature believers. They were watching the Shulamite woman. They were watching the king, the lover. They were watching. They weren't there yet, but they were watching. By the gazelles or by the does of the field. Um, Those two animals are alert. They're very alert. They're very sensitive. They're constantly on the lookout for predators. They're very gentle and they're very soft. And for you and I, we need to be always on the lookout for the enemy and how he might be trying to influence individually ourselves. We have to always be on the lookout for each other, praying for one another, going out of our comfort zone, seeing somebody who has a bad attitude or emotionally is going through something and having the courage in Christ to say, hey, can I pray for you? Is everything okay? Now, we might be able to do that with some of the people in the church because we know them, but maybe there's somebody in the church that I've never said hello to or you've never said hello to or introduced yourself. What is stopping us from doing that? I think it's a comfort zone. We don't like to extend ourselves. You know, we're not sure what's going to happen. It's cool that Jesus didn't think that way when he came to this earth, right? And that living Savior is in us. We can take that step. And I think we'll be blessed by the results most of the time. And if it's an adverse response to your kind act of love, understand that that will also reveal where your heart is at the time that it's going on. It's pretty neat how God works and sets up things. But also, you and I as believers in Jesus need to be alert. We need to be sensitive. 
We need to be gentle and soft, but we also have to remember that other people are sensitive, are gentle and soft. And we have to have the love of God in dealing with them. How many times our flesh comes up and we understand that we don't have love for a certain person or a group of people. Well, that's not God's heart. That's not God's heart. You know, he grieves. He loves the 19-year-old boy who killed some people yesterday or the day before. He loves that guy. As much as he loves you and me. Is that crazy? Where are we in our love for one another? Where's our heart? Verse 6. Who is this coming out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke? With all the uh, perfume with myrrh and frankincense. With all the merchants' fragrant powders. This is a question the Shulamite woman is asking. For you and I, we know that Moses led Israel out of Egypt, Egypt being a type of the world. Jesus leads us out of the world, doesn't he? And brings us into his promises. Even though we're part of the world, we're in the world, but we're not part of it. Because we're holding on to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who's bringing us through a sin-filled world, an anti-Christ world. It's the world system. Yet Jesus, like Moses, delivers us out of that. Mount Sinai in Exodus 19.18 was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace, and the whole mountain trembled violently. In Exodus 13, 21, it talks about the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and a pillar of fire to guide them by night. That's our God. His spirit guides us through the dark as well as the light. He's doing that right now in your life and my life. Are we aware of that? Perfume with myrrh and frankincense. Remember, myrrh is a symbol of bitterness, of suffering, of affliction. It's a spice used for embalming. Here we see it in the Song of Solomon. We see it as uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh given to Jesus when he was born. We see it was on the stick given up or the sword, the spear given up to Jesus's mouth to try to deaden the pain of the crucifixion, but he didn't want any of it once he found out it wasn't water. Frankincense is used in worship. Burned is a pleasant offering. It's a symbol of holiness and righteousness. And of course, Jesus was willing to become a sacrifice. Better with all the merchants' fragrant powders at the end of verse 6. No fragrance compared 
to the fragrance of the king. No fragrance, nothing is greater than Jesus Christ. There's nothing that would ever appeal to our senses more. Verse 7, behold, it is Solomon's couch with 60 valiant men around it of the valiant of Israel. Remember, just in chapter 2, the Shulamite woman was on her bed of comfort. Well, couch, another, uh, the Solomon's couch, look what's different with this place of laying down. Sixty valiant men are around it, of the most valiant men of Israel. A couch of protection. When we're with the Lord, he protects it, protects us. He protects our hearts, our minds. He brings us, he travels with us to the place that we're going, where we're going. We're going to heaven. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you've accepted him, if you're born again, as Jesus said to Nicodemus, you're going to heaven. You're on the road to heaven. This is the road he's taken us. Through the Jersey roads through the life experiences that we have, through everything we go through in a day. He's working on our hearts and our minds to make us more ready to be that perfect bride of his when we go up to have that seven-year feast, that wedding feast one day. Sixty valiant men around it. Do you know that the Bible talks about angels are ministering spirits sent by God to minister? I think we'd be blown away if God just pulled away the veil a little bit and we just saw the tons of angels that are in here right now sitting all over the place, you know? Slapping me five right here and I'm not feeling it. Really, just imagine... The heavenly host that ministers to us because of God's love for us. Verse 8, they all hold swords, being expert in war. Every man has a sword on his thigh because of fear in the night. They know that in their travels there's going to be enemies, there's going to be battles. They had their weapon ready. They had their sword. You and I need to have that sword, which is the word of God, to fight our battles, to be with us. We have a heavenly host surrounding us. What do we fear? The Shulamite woman feared in chapter 2, but she's seeing in chapter 3 that she's surrounded by the king and by his army. So are you, so am I. Do you believe that? Do you understand that there's nothing going to befall you without God allowing something to come into your life? And we know that happens too, don't we? We know that happens. We see it in each other's lives, don't we? The adversity, the trials, the tribulations. Verse 9, of the wood of Lebanon, Solomon the king made himself a palaquin. A palaquin 
is just two poles, and on it was like a little hut, like a bed that they would go in, and they'd be carried through, or they had shade. It was for royalty. It was for the rich. Do you know that the complete inheritance is yours? God purchased you with a price, his blood, and you have everything inherited. We're going to come into an inheritance. We have a down payment, God's Holy Spirit, in our lives. Verse 10, he made its pillars of silver. Silver symbolizes redemption. You're redeemed. You're bought back. You're lying on that couch. Surrounded by a heavenly host. Redeemed by the blood of the lamb. It's a port of gold. Symbolizes divinity. God in the flesh. It's seed of purple. Royalty. But also... Another uh, description of that purple is crimson, like the blood that Jesus shed for us. Its interior is paved with love by the daughters of Jerusalem. We see in verse 10 a picture of the construction of this couch with a little tent hood on it. But understand, it was paid for for you and me by the blood of Christ. Jesus is walking with us through this life. He's never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. Even in the dry times, he's right there. Remember, don't take it lightly. See what he's trying to say to you through those dry times. Verse 11, go forth, O daughters of Zion, and see King Solomon with the crown, with which his mother crowned, him on the day of his wedding, the day of the gladness of his heart. The influence that you and I have on other people in our walk with the Lord is tremendous. Just like the Shulamite woman had an influence on the daughters of Jerusalem. And notice they switch and become the daughters of Zion in verse 11. Zion is where the temple is. It's the palace of the king. We're heading to meet Jesus one day face to face. People are watching you and me in that walk, Christians as well as non-Christians. Through the things that we go through, they're seeing if our walk and faith is real. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing God's word. You feel you have weak faith? What do you need to do? Read God's word. That's your spiritual barbells. That's how you pump up your spiritual muscles. Isaiah 62, 5 says, And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. God loves each one of you individually. There's a wedding coming that we're going to. We're not only going to it, We're the main guest of honor. Jesus is the bridegroom. We're the bride. 
What a crazy, crazy day that will be. What a wonderful day that will be. Before we um, sing and rejoice over that relationship we have, I just wanted to do something real quick, and then I'll, I'll close in prayer and ask Pastor Paul to come up. Everything we need to know is in God's word. Things are happening throughout the world that sometimes we don't pay attention to, but yet it's God's timetable. A lot of it prophesied in Scripture. And this is just out of the news in the last couple days. I don't know if you know that Saudi Arabia just offered uh, uh, Abbas, the president of Palestine, $10 billion to accept Trump's peace plan, which is supposed to come out in early June. Okay, now this is the Palestinian guy. He refused it. Dermer is the Israeli embassy to the United States. Um, the New York Times, I don't know if you're aware of this, has become a cesspool of hostility, he said. And I'm going to show you a couple things to close up in a second. Uh, there's violent anti-Semitism on the rise worldwide. We need to pray for the peace of Israel, the peace of Jerusalem. We need to pray for our Jewish, hopefully one day our brothers and sisters. We need to pray for them. Anti-Semitism is growing throughout the world. Trump, uh, President Trump's oil sanctions go into effect against Iran. Simply meaning he's cutting off their economic growth. Is Iran just going to hang back and let this happen? Saudi Arabia beheads five homosexuals, I think it was two days ago, yet not one peep from the liberals, mainstream media, or the LGBT community. Interesting. When they say something and when they don't say something, it's selective. This was one of the cartoons in the New York Slimes. I mean, New York Times, I'm sorry, New York Times. Um, it's President Trump. Blunt being blind, led by a dog with the head of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. And back in time of World War II, Hitler and the Nazis referred to the Israelis as dogs. And, then the, and so there was a loud outcry just in the last 48 hours, and they didn't retract this right away, but eventually they did. Understand that the New York Times is uh, run by and owned for decades by a Jewish family, but a very liberal Jewish family. They say they're investigating how this got in, but just yesterday was this. And this is a picture of Benjamin Netanyahu in a robe, holding up what looks like um, possibly the Ten Commandments with a Jewish star on it. And he's blind also. And he's taken a, that's a selfie he's taken of himself. So this was what just came out in the New York Times after they retracted the previous one. So what is going on? What is happening? I just want to encourage you to keep falling deeper in love with Jesus Christ. It's an ever 
ongoing love affair with him. Talk to him. Read his word. Fellowship with believers. Things are happening within this world. God wants us to come together closer and tighter as a body of Christ as we get closer to that day of the wedding. And as we just read, in, or I just read in Isaiah 62, 5, and as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. So as Pastor Paul comes up, if you need prayer, if you, need, um, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've never done that, we'll pray for you and give you some material to start you on your walk with the Lord. Please do that right after service. We'll be up front. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.